This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Good evening, everyone, and thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, your host, and joining me tonight is the lovely Joan Kelly Walker. She's a Hi, TV Laura. <laughs> Hello. And she's a philanthropist, and she's my friend. <laughs> So today, listen, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the first date, okay? How do you date when the courtship process isn't as clear as it used to be? Well, we're going to take a deep dive into this tonight with our guest, Brandon Rader. Brandon is an award-winning psychological researcher. He's a matchmaker and dating coach. And Brandon has honed his matchmaking skills with industry leaders and has developed an understanding of the deepest webbings of human nature. Well, thanks so much for joining us tonight, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Now, Brandon, you've said that one of the biggest barriers preventing people from achieving their romantic goals in our current culture is the absence of a formal courtship process. Can you tell us what you mean by this? Let's discuss it. Yeah, absolutely. So after providing dating coaching services to thousands of clients, I really collected a lot of data on where's the confusion happening. And a lot of the questions that I was receiving and still receive from clients pertains to the courtship process. Things like, what do I wear on a first date? Who pays on a first date? Who should make the first text message after the first date? What happens on the second date? And the questions just go on and on. And they all pivot around this formal courtship process. And if you look in almost every species of the animal kingdom, there is a formal courtship process, meaning that animals know exactly what to do to express interest in another animal. And that animal knows exactly how to respond and what cues to observe to then be able to either reciprocate or reject. And even throughout human history, there has always been a formal process, meaning steps and procedures and specific behaviors to express interest, to either reject or reciprocate, to facilitate the relationship development process. And it's very recent in American history, particularly, where that formal courtship process is disintegrating. People are, it's like the blind dating the blind. They just don't know what to do. And we were talking on the phone and uh, I agree with you. Like women need to get in a man's way. Yes. Right? Let's talk about that. So I thought what I find really interesting is this shift in the, in the female perspective that the man should be the one making all of the first moves and that the man should be the one pursuing. But if you look throughout human history and the formal courtship processes, it's always been the females who make the first move. One of my favorite recent TV shows that I feel really encapsulate that encapsulates this is Bridgerton. So when you look at Bridgerton, the females have to literally be paraded around. They go through this giant debut. They have to quaff their hair in a certain way, wear certain attire. They have to wear little tags on their hands to signal, hey, it's cool if you come up and dance with me or ask me to dance. Fan themselves in a certain way, drop their mm -hmm. handkerchiefs in front of the man. 
it's always been the women who make the first moves. Then after that, yes, the man can choose whether or not he wants to pursue, but a woman has to first create the opportunity for him to pursue, and she needs to invite him to pursue. I find it so interesting thinking about this concept of accept or reject. I think what happens quite often is that people, they want to be liked. They don't want to reject in a way that that person's going to say something mean or bad about them. So I think as someone that's pursuing someone, you need to be more willing to accept what the outcome is. Did they accept me or reject me? I think sometimes that's where it falls apart because people want to be liked. Is that, do you find that? 100%. I actually just did another podcast where I was talking about one of the most prevalent barriers that I that I encounter with, within this concept of the formal courtship process is fear of rejection. And I always say that fear and love cannot live in the same house. And you also have to be willing to accept the good with the bad. So you have to put yourself out there, but you also have to be willing to accept and understand that rejection could be a consequence of that. You might fall in love or you might fall on your ass. Mm -hmm. But it seems in the animal world, if you're rejected, they just move on. Like they forget about (laughs) it. But like in the human world, we don't. We think, oh my God, they rejected me. This is terrible. I feel awful. yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we think about it too much. So we need to take more of a page out of the book of, of what you were talking about, the animal world. Yes. Well, and, you know, I think also that part of it is not understanding that formal courtship process. There's more ambiguity around it. And so because of that, it creates more anxiety of like, well, what do I do? What do I say? Is it going to look stupid? Is it going to be accepted? Or am I going to look bad? So in conjunction with that fear of just rejection in general, a good example of this is um, having the male pay for the meal. Now, I know a lot of men out there are just polite and they're like, I'm traditional. And so because of that, I always pay for the meal. But I tell them like, this is confusing the traditional courtship process. I'm like, I understand wanting to be chivalrous, to be polite, and I'm sure the women appreciate it, but it sends the wrong signal to the woman. Like if a man offers to pay for the dinner, there should be some level of of assumption that that means he wants to see her again. And if a woman accepts a man paying for the meal, that should also be an indicator in the other direction that she's willing to see him again. And I use the example of, let's say, a bar setting, right? And so you're a woman, you're at a bar, a man approaches you to offer to buy you a drink. He doesn't want to buy you a drink. It's this implicit bargain of money for time. If you as a female accept the man's offer to buy you a drink, there's the assumption that you are going to give him your time and talk to him. And so I feel like that same concept can apply to the date process or the courtship process, where if you're on a first date and a man wants to see a woman again, he should always offer to pay the bill. If a woman wants to cue the man that, hey, I'm open to seeing you again, she should accept that he pays the bill and not offer, even though it might seem polite. But if you're following a traditional courtship process and really trying to stick to these cues that in a way that everyone can understand, then by her not offering to pay the bill, that is very explicitly stating, yes, I accept your offer of money for time. I will see you again on another date. Mm -hmm. But common courtesy, if, if a man is asking a lady out on a date, regardless if he likes her or not, I really feel that he should pick up the tab for that date. I mean, it's the most gentleman thing to do, I think. And women that I know, um, 
will not feel special if she has to get all dressed up to go out. The man makes her pay for the date or half of the date. If that ever happened to me, there wouldn't be another date. Okay. (laughs) Well, exactly. Like that's like, it would be to the point where you would know that there's not going to be another date and there would not be any confusion. This is what helps clarify. But but I need to set the tone regardless. Like, because if I like that guy and he's not paying, I like, I need him to pay on that first date because I want to set the tone for our relationship. If we decide that, you know, we are a match because I don't want to pay when I go out, I'm not pulling out my wallet because I do all the cooking at home. Will I ever pull out the wallet? Yeah. Maybe his birthday or something, but I'm not pulling my wallet out because I do so much at home. So there's a give and take like, but I want to be in my feminine energy. I want to be on the receiving end of things when I go out. Um, And, you know, I, and and it's just not about taking because I love to give, but in other ways that align with my divine essence. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it goes to that point where like both, both men and women need to understand the courtship process. It can't just be one side. So if you're on, if you're on a first date with this man that you, you know, you haven't acted, this is your first time meeting. And let's say that things seem to be going well and you like him and he's interested in you, then, you know, by him saying I'm him offering to pay for the dinner that evening, you're like, okay, like if we're both on the same page and we both know the same rules, then this means he is saying, I want to see you again because I'm offering time for money here and I'm offering to pay the bill. And you as the woman would know by me accepting, I'm agreeing to this implicit offer of we will now go on a second date. And so both of you are on the same page of what that gesture means. Now, if let's say that he, you, you two are on the date and say he's not feeling it, if he doesn't offer to pay the bill, even if you like him, if you're both know, if you both know the play, the, the rules of the game and are playing the same game, you would know that's his way of communicating to you. He doesn't want to see you again. That oh, awkward. Oh, my goodness. That would and be so, terrible. But that goes back to that whole concept of the animal kingdom, right? It's like you, you perform a behavior, the animal knows what that cue means. And they can either, depending on how they respond, it clearly expresses their, their reciprocation or their rejection. And then they move on. If the man pays for the bill and you, as a woman, let's say you, you accept it and you're not interested in him, then he gets confused. And I hear this a lot from men where they get frustrated that they go out with women on a lot of dates. They pay for the bill because they're chivalrous or polite. And then the woman doesn't want to see them again. And then they're like, well, I feel like I continue to go out and women are just using me for a free meal and men become well, jaded about it. Well, Brandon, they're right. Cause there are a lot of women that will use men for a meal. But or for this, a drink. Yeah. Well, who cares about a drink? Like, I'm <laughs> sorry, if you can't afford to buy a drink, then you shouldn't be going out. I'm sorry. Yeah. You shouldn't be dating. Honestly, like, what do you have to offer someone? Like, what are you guys going to do? Sit in your apartment the whole time? Like, you have to be able to do things. I, uh, Sorry, but I that's what I believe. Anyways, we have to take a quick break. But just quickly, does it work differently in a non heterosexual relationship? Just quickly? You know, it does not because there are not traditional gender role scripts. So between when it's like man and man, woman and woman, it actually requires a lot more communication up front to kind of establish, are we going to try to adhere to traditional gender role scripts? If so, what role are you going to play? What role am I going to play? Or is this going to be an equal partnership where we just naturally go Dutch? 
I love it. I love it. Okay, we're going to stop now for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to chat about first aid etiquette and the importance of complimenting. We'll be back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night. You're listening to AM 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata with my co-host tonight, Joan Kelly Walker, and our guest, Brandon Rader, on Dating Etiquette for Success. So before the break, Brandon, we were talking about how both parties in the date need to make sure that they both know the rules. And, you know, when that doesn't happen, that's when things fall apart. And that's when people get hurt feelings. How do you know that the other person, whether it's, you know, straight or gay or whatever, how do you make sure that they both know the rules? Oh gosh, Joan, that is like my life mission right now. My <laughs> mission is to make sure everyone knows the rules. Uh, I have this conversation a lot with my clients and I'm like, look, I wish I could talk to all of your dates. Like if they're a matchmaking client, then yes, I have that opportunity. But if it's a date coaching client, then I don't have the opportunity to talk with the people they're going out on dates with. And so then I tell them, I'm like, look, I can't guarantee that they're going to understand all of the rules, the proper steps, but in which case, then I encourage my clients to take a little bit more control um, and really try to navigate the courtship process. And sometimes that requires them to be a little bit more explicit, which requires them to put themselves out there a little bit more, um, which going to your point before sometimes can be hard for them because of that fear of rejection but I tell them that's the risk like you know you're never going to find love without risk Mm -hmm. are there other signals yes so I always tell women that another way to to signal a man like that 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 you're interested in him and this sounds so silly it's so obvious though is like finding an opportunity to reach over and touch his arm And a lot of women who are very adept at dating and flirting and interpersonal relationship skills do that naturally, or they're aware that they should do it and they make an effort to do it. But some women don't. And they're, they tell me that they're waiting for the man to make the first move. They're waiting for the man to pursue. And, and because they always claim that they're more traditional. And I tell them, I'm like, you know, again, from a traditional perspective, women have always made the first move in creating the opportunity and signaling to the man that and essentially inviting him to pursue her. And going back to one of my favorite shows, Bridgerton, I'm like, when you, let's say that you're at like a ball, right? Which is where males and females typically interacted initially. Kind of, let's look at that as kind of like their first date almost. Women literally had a little tag on their arm saying, it's okay for you to approach me. It's okay for you to dance with me. And in which case touch me because they weren't supposed to touch unless they were essentially like dancing um, or like a little meet and greet, like a kiss on the hand. Uh, And so I'm like, let's take the same concept of you're not wearing a tag on your arm (laughs) as a woman these days saying, it's okay for you to touch me. So you touching his arm is his signal that it's okay for him to dance with you, in which case flirt. Um, so I think that's another simple gesture that females can make to let to signal to the man that I'm open to you touching me back, 
to you flirting with me. I'm inviting you to, to engage in this courtship process with me. I'm, I'm that girl. I'll touch your arm. I'll touch the, your back as well. Like I'll put my hand on your shoulder. Yeah. Yes. You have to invite I, them in sometimes. Stare deeply into their eyes, but then look away. You know, you want to stop. It's really not like some men have become more adept at interpersonal relationship skills. But again, from a historical perspective, we have not put the same pressure on men to be socially adept in their interpersonal relationships. Like women are always supposed to be the nurturers. They're supposed to be kind. They're supposed to be the mothers. They're supposed to be the the caregivers of the children. Um, And men, we have put the pressure on them to focus on their professional skills, their educational skills, and to be more savvy in, in, in the work world. And so because of that, like, you know, in the work world, it's not like if you have two men sitting at a meeting, you don't encourage that man to then reach over and touch his arm, right? To build a connection. That's not part of a normal, normal business etiquette for men. But with that said, you know, that's where men are learning a lot of their social skills is in the professional arena. And we don't encourage men to until quite recently to like even give each other hugs or to give each other one another kisses on the cheeks. But we do women. It's normal for women to greet each other with a hug or a kiss, essentially engaging more in that physical contact to initiate a connection. And so I tell women from a traditional standpoint, there is more responsibility on your shoulders to make that first step and invite physical contact. What about other signals? Like how do you dress on a first date? Yes. Okay. So I find where a lot of Uh, women can go wrong, and this applies to men too, is that sometimes they have a little bit too much va-va-voom. I would say for the women, sometimes Mm -hmm. they can be a little too sexy on the first date. those puppies in. Yes. And I always say, I I think the smart casual zone is is the best place to be. (laughs) And reason being is that you can use it strategically to then graduate to um, something that's a little bit more sexy on the second date, because that then signals your level of interest, including like lip color. I always tell women, I'm like, wear like a nice gloss on the first date or wear something that's more like nude colored or closer to your natural lip color. Something that like makes your lips look healthy, (laughs) hydrated, but not too, not too bold. And like, because then if you go on that second date, which clearly means there's a certain level of interest there and you step up your whole look a notch, something that's a little bit sexier, maybe a a more form-fitting dress or you're showing a little bit more skin and then you have that bold lip it's going to be a clear signal to the to the guy of oh wow this is there's clearly a difference between that first date attire and that second date attire she's clearly interested in me she's sending out signals sex appeal I love it. So I really love that. I like starting in a really kind of conservative way, because then if you go forward with the dating process, then you've you've got more, like you've got tricks up your sleeve, like layers to remove, to really share the different facets of yourself, because everybody has different facets. And it's nice to kind of do that gradually. Mm -hmm. And I I was giggling earlier, because it reminds me of a story that my boyfriend tells how he when he went out, like his first date after his divorce, he said she looked like a like a like a hooker. He said <laughs> he was so embarrassed. He said like the the amount of makeup she had on, the clothing she was wearing, and he said he got he doesn't drink a lot. My boyfriend. He said he got drunk. He actually had to get a hotel room that night because he was so embarrassed to be there with her. <laughs> <laughs> 
There wasn't well, enough. And who paid? Who paid? Of course he did. He did pay. Well, of course he did, but that's a signal to her that she wants that he wants another date, but clearly he didn't want another date. So right. he, he probably walked away him. saying, I don't know what happened. I thought things were going well. I don't get it. Uh, you know, I do think that like, again, like one of the concepts of why I like to have that smart casual outfit for the first date is because like you need to signal to the man that you're, or even if you're a man, you need to signal to the woman that you are dressing for them. You're dressing to impress them. Now, a lot of people on first dates are either meeting through online dating or through dating services. Those are prevalent ways. And because of that, these people haven't actually met in person, right? Before the first date. So if you wear something that's a little bit more sexy on, on, on the first date, they're going to assume that that's just what you look like on a date where if you, again, you're wearing something more smart, casual, something that still says I'm on a date, but is more on the, on the conservative side. And then on the second date, you step it up a notch that helps signal. I am dressing for you because we've met. I'm clearly interested because we're on the second date. And now I am dressing for you, which can encourage them to you know, really lean into that courtship process. Yeah. And you know what? Wear something you feel comfortable in, or you're going to be fidgeting with yourself all night long. And they're going to sense that uncomfortable energy. Honestly, it comes out in your face, comes out. <laughs> so mm -hmm. wear something that you feel comfortable in and make sure the clothes fit you properly. That's, that's my advice. Let's talk about the importance of complimenting your date because I'm all about compliments. Okay. Let's talk about um, giving compliments uh, when it comes to physical appearance on a first date. How do you guys feel about that? I think if you can tell that somebody's made an effort, even if it's smart, casual, I think you need to find something like just say, oh, you look really nice tonight, or I like your outfit or, you know, something about it. I think, I think that's just polite. I think you can. Um, if it's someone that you fancy. Because it feels kind of special when when somebody finds you attractive. I mean, ultimately, that's the goal, right? The person that you're dating, you want them to think you're attractive. And I think it's a little different than like a stranger coming up to you on the street and commenting on your appearance because that's the only thing they noticed about you. You know what I mean? So um, I'm assuming that you've had a conversation with this person before and other things align. So when they they meet you, they're commenting like, you know, the fact that you look really pretty tonight or something. I, I think I, I, I would like that. I would receive that in a, in a positive way. Brandon, what do you think? Yes, definitely give compliments on the first date. This is something I encourage to all of my clients, you would be surprised at how many people are uncomfortable giving compliments on dates. And they tell me that these dates because that fear of rejection, oh. that they're afraid of putting themselves out there in a way that is going to, uh, you know, essentially just make them more vulnerable or exposed or come off wrong. And I just tell them like, well, I was like, this is a, it's a double win then. I'm like, because by giving a compliment, it does communicate a certain level of confidence within yourself and people find confidence attractive. But going back to that compliment, I always tell my clients, I'm like, it needs to be, I call, I say a verbal affirmation with a romantic twist. And so what I mean by that is that a lot of people who do give compliments on dates, they'll stop just at the verbal affirmation, such as, I, wow, you're really funny, or gosh, you're very smart, or you look really nice. 
those are platonic compliments. You could give those to your dentist, but it doesn't mean you want to. <laughs> but you have to let them know that you find it attractive, that this is doing something for you romantically. And so even if let's say, let's say someone says something funny, like, God, you're really funny. Like, I find it really attractive when a guy has a good sense of humor, or I find it really attractive when a woman is very intelligent, or you tell her she looks nice. Well, I love a woman. I find it really attractive when a woman knows how to dress. Like just by saying, I like it, I love it. I find it attractive. Adding that romantic twist on it. It makes it very clear that this is doing something for you romantically and it will stand out to them because people just don't do that. Well, you look so sexy. I find it attractive when a woman wears red. Yes. Like, it's like, you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and I always tell people, use it strategically. I'm like, it's positive reinforcement. It's like, pick something that you truly like, something you genuinely are attracted to. And if you tell someone you find it attractive, they're going to do more of it. And so you're using positive reinforcement to essentially prime that person for what you want and what you want from them. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. We love it. Well, just positive reinforcement works on every level in humor inter- human interaction. So I think, yeah, positive reinforcement and, and like it takes it to the next level when you say it makes me feel like this. I love it. To, and you know you what? Know, so nice. Yeah. And he just taught me something. So there you oh. go, friend. You taught me Yay. something. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to stop now to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about how you handle the end of a day. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. We are back. This is the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto with myself, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Joan Kelly Walker, and uh, our special guest, Brandon, is here. And we're getting back to our chat on handling the first date. Now, this is a big one, okay? Should you kiss on the first date? Now, listen, there is a dating coach. I'm not going to mention any names, but she promotes the fact that you should not kiss someone until the three month mark. I think that's absolutely absurd. Crazy. Don't listen. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just had a girlfriend kiss some guy um, last week and she was like, there was the most horrible kiss ever. Imagine dating someone and you fancy them. And, but then you, you kiss, you wait three months. First of all, I don't think a guy's waiting for that. Like, let's talk about this. Three months is absurd to me. And then you, you kiss and there is no chemistry. And sometimes when the, the kiss isn't there, it's just, it's really hard, you know, to move past the, um, the initial stages of that relationship. So let's talk about it. Hmm. Well, I don't know if kissing on the first date is, is, you know, necessary or not. I don't know if waiting to the third date is the right thing either. It's somewhere definitely in between. But on the night I met my husband, I knew I had to work the next day. It wasn't a planned date. So I literally showed up like 
super, super casual sweatshirt and everything, but we really hit it off. And then he walked me to my vehicle and I, he had told me that he was going away for two weeks. And I thought, do I want to wait two weeks to find out if I really like this guy? So I gave him a kiss and it was a really nice kiss. And, and I knew at that point, okay, he's going to call me. We're going to go on a date as soon as he gets back. But the two weeks, I just kept thinking about that kiss and thinking, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this guy. So mm-hmm. the kiss on the first meeting, it wasn't like a formal date, but the first meeting was uh, it certainly worked to my advantage. So I think you got to, you got to feel it. If you're feeling it, go for it. I was feeling it. You know, I like to encourage a kiss on the third date. The third? Yeah, the third. And when I say like a kiss, I mean like full, like kind of like tongue lock type of kiss. Like, I think that like little (laughs) pecks on the cheek and, you know, like ways to kind of communicate that you're still interested in the person are okay on the first and second date. Um, But the reason being is that part of like the formula that I, I have my clients follow is the first two dates are all about compatibility assessing. And I have a love life scoring system where it's a literal scoring system that they use on this date to help them measure whether there's compatibility or not. And I tell them, I'm like, even if say, let's say you're on that first date and you're feeling the chemistry and you're really attracted to them, but they do not pass your, your love life scoring system, meaning that there's not the essential compatibility components present. You are not proceeding to a second date because so many people lead with chemistry that they end up, it puts these dopamine colored glasses on. They look straight past all the caution signs and red flags, full speed ahead into a crash and burn. And so I'm like, I don't want you doing that. Focus on compatibility. Even if you're feeling the chemistry and there's strong attraction, try your hardest to push those feelings and thoughts aside. Then I have another set, uh, a scoring system for the second date, same thing. And so that for those reasons, I try to encourage them to, yes, give little, little snacks for the guys to follow. And same thing for guys, give them little snacks, little samples, um, but don't fully engage in something that's going to essentially cause the hormones to flood. What about a little peck? Like, I mean, if you've had, you had a really great date, maybe, okay. You guys have been chatting for a while. So it's the first meet and greet in real life, but maybe you had a virtual date. Maybe you guys have been communicating for a few weeks. I think that that it may be a little different in that case. I mean, yeah. than just meeting a complete stranger off the street and going, hey, let's go on a date. And then, oh, well, let's make out in the next hour. I, I mean, but it happens. It has happened. But I understand what you're saying. I typically say that about sex. I always tell people to refrain from sex. Listen, some people can have sex. It doesn't affect them. But some people have sex and that's it. You're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I remember when I was dating my husband, like literally pushing him out the door saying, no, I don't want to have sex with you yet because I really like you. And so it was it was hard to do and, and like literally saying, no, you have to go. You have to go. So I, I mean, did it for that worked for me two months. You know, when yeah. it comes to sex, that's a question that I get a lot, especially from women, you know, when should they have sex? And so for me, I tell them that 
they should not have sex until there is some level of accountability there through Mm -hmm. like social attachment. Mm -hmm. Like, so whether that is like you two have integrated friends and family already, or you two have plans in the future, like a trip planned, or you have concert tickets, you know, again, some type of level of a social accountability that, that helps create another layer of attachment other than just your emotions for one another. And the reason being is that, you know, that I tell my females that just in general, like research shows that when after, right after women have sex, they produce more oxytocin and that's, you know, the love drug, the attachment hormone, which oftentimes causes them to attach to a man emotionally. Now males produce more oxytocin right before they have sex. So oxytocin is actually what helps a man, one of the hormones involved in uh, a man getting an erection. And so there's, once the man climaxes, he releases oxytocin, like it, or it diminishes, his oxytocin diminishes where the woman's goes up. So there's this difference where, you know, it's kind of cliche. You see it in movies where the woman's like, I want to cuddle after sex and the man doesn't. And the reason why it's a cliche is because there is, evidence showing that this is true. And it's due to the fact that men's oxytocin levels go down after climaxing. They do, they do come back up, but for a moment they come down. And if there is no other form of attachment or connection there, there's nothing holding him there and not even hormones holding him there anymore. Once that oxytocin level goes down. Right. And, and just before we take the break, I just wanted to, to weigh in as well. Uh, make sure this person's being consistent before you have sex with them, that you see yourself having a future with them because your goals align and you guys are compatible. Okay. So we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to share what you should be doing after your first date. Show with Laura Galata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Galata with Joan Kelly Walker and our special guest, Brandon Raider. Getting back into our chat on navigating the first date and what happens afterwards. Okay, so yeah, we've been talking a lot about you know, the first date, what to do, but what do you do afterwards? Because that really makes a difference in how the date feels when you think back on it. So the post-date follow-up is important. When do you get in touch with the person? Do you have to wait 24 hours? Is there a timeline? If you go with your heart and text them right away, is that the wrong thing to do? How do you handle it, Brandon? In the past, I've encouraged my clients to send a text message when they got home saying that I really enjoyed our time together, love to get to know you better, love to see you again, just to kind of communicate your interest. But I've been doing some research lately into the idea of building anticipation and excitement. And I find that that is key to keeping the motivation in in the courtship process. And so there is there is benefit to making them wait. And it helps build anticipation and excitement, but it can't be so much, it can't be so long that they lose interest. So I recommend 
it being the next day. It doesn't have to be a full 24 hours, but waiting the next day, because what that does is it, it gets their mind percolating on you, right? And then they're thinking about you all night. And then I, they wake up in the morning and they're looking for that text message. And then boop, you send it. And then they get really excited for the rest of the day. And then they're thinking about you the rest of the day. But what if they text you right away? Like you just get home and they text you right away. Are you supposed to wait what till the next way? day before you respond? Yep. Because think about it. When, some, when you send someone a text message and what do you do? You're checking your phone to see if they've texted you back, which means that you're thinking of them. And that's what we want, right? Like we want someone obsessing about us after a date. And so then you, if you do it strategically where you do do it in the morning, then that one, it builds up some anticipation and excitement. And then when they get that text, it's like this emotional release. And then they're thinking about you the rest of the day because you were the person who started their day. I I hear what you're saying, but you know, everyone is always complaining about the games that are involved with dating in today's environment, right? Like I come from the school of thought that I get what you're saying, but when two people really align, right? Like there's nothing that's really going to turn you off. So I feel like if you, you feel it's right um, in that moment, you can also say something like, Hey, I had a lot of fun getting to know you tonight. You know, I'd love to do it again. I mean, it is possible to do that. And, and I, 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 I don't know. I'm torn on this one. I'm torn on this one because I like I'm a little older and I'm just not about playing games. And I know that when I'm in the right place and I know what I want and the right guy comes along, like I'm not going to get he can't push me away because I, I like we are aligned in what we're looking for. And I don't know. I think that it should be, I think that there should be communication on the date. Like, let's say as you're saying your goodbyes, I really enjoy getting to know you. I'd like to see you again. I always tell my clients that you should sort of tentative, you should tentatively be planning the next day on the current date. Yeah, and see, so- okay. So then that makes sense. Yes. Okay. And then, but then in far, as far as like a text message follow-up, so you've confirmed right, right. on the date that you had a good time, you'd like to see them again. But when it comes to like the texting, the in, in between the dates, you need mm-hmm. to be doing it in a way that's building anticipation and excitement. Almost the research that I was looking into was how movie, uh, when people are marketing movies and TV shows, how what strategies do they use to build anticipation and excitement, say between episodes or between seasons or between sequels. Um, And so there is a strategy, a marketing strategy that you can use for giving little teasers or little samples and doing it at certain intervals to keep your audience engaged and excited and committed to learning more. Well, that's Mm -hmm. fair. I actually love that. So, And what what if you get home and you think about it and then you think, okay, the date was fine. Everything was fine, but you just kind of think, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. Do you tell them? Like, do you text that to them? So I, I encourage all of my clients to first visit that love life scoring system. And I tell them like, if there isn't a blatant reason as to why you aren't attracted to this person or why you think it's not a good match, if it's just a feeling, then check your love life scoring system to see if compatibility is there. And if they pass that scoring system, go on the second date with them and see, because about 98, like, so um, match actually did a survey of about 2000 people. And they found that 89% of people reported being 
nervous on first dates. And being nervous really just messes with our wiring, right? It, it interferes with our communication skills, with our body language, with how we express ourselves. And that can interfere with our connection and interaction with someone. And so sometimes it might just be that the nerves got the best of you and of the date overall. And that might be why you weren't feeling the connection if you can't pinpoint exactly what it is. Now, if you're like, I'm just not physically attracted to them, I can tell I don't like X, Y, or Z, or I don't like this thing that they, this life perspective that they have, it just doesn't click with me. That's different because it's very obvious. But if it's intangible, you can't pinpoint it. I'm like, go to your scoring system. If the compatibility is present, give them another chance and and see how you feel. So Brandon, can you explain your five date formula briefly and also photos? Is it a hard yes or no right after a date to ask someone to send them to you or to send them? Yes. So the five date formula is all about this courtship process. And I use a relationship development model by a researcher named Mark Knapps. And I like to focus on the first two dates for assessing compatibility, which is the key to longevity in a relationship. Third day is all about helping generate and percolate that chemistry um, to really see if you have it or not. That, you know, that just strong romantic initial attraction and connection with each other. The fourth date is about integration, sharing your social networks. And the fifth date is taking a trip together to see if how you guys do when you're with each other for an extended amount of time. Now for the photos, texting photos between dates, yes, do it, stay top of mind, keep them appropriate, little snacks, not the whole kitchen. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into the Dating and Relationship Show tonight. Guys, courting someone doesn't have to be hard. So just keep what we said in mind tonight. You're going to be setting yourselves up for success. Let's keep this conversation going with Brandon. Where do people get a hold of you? You can find me on Insta at Brandon Raider Official or on TikTok at Psyched About You. Or you can connect with me on my website at BrandonRader.com. And Joan, where can we get a hold of you? On Instagram, it's Joan Kelly Walker official or my website, joankellywalker.com. And guys, if you're looking for help, ladies, join me for an upcoming online workshop, Increasing Your Feminine Power on February 4th, where we're going to show you how to unlock your feminine energy to attract the kind of man that you desire. We also have a lot of great singles events coming up. So if you're ready to meet someone special to take on that first date, visit singleinthecity.ca. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Ciao for now.